It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This week on Rockstar Superhero. Hey guys, welcome back to the Rockstar Superhero Podcast. This week on the show, I have DreamWorks animator and producer, Brian K. Roberts. Brian and I have known each other over a decade, and I'm just honored to have him in my world. An incredible guy, very interesting, slightly introverted, extraordinarily cool. Uh, He puts up with me really well, and we have some shared passions. So make sure you listen to the whole thing. I think you're really going to dig it. And uh, Brian has a few surprises in store, so hang on to your hats because, well, we had a good time. Thanks for listening and enjoy Rockstar Superhero Podcast with Brian Roberts of DreamWorks Pictures. I don't know what's it 13 no 15 years later we're wow. we're actually still friends <laughs> yeah. Some, somehow i stayed in your friend pool um and uh it's like you and frank cornell or cornelli yeah. whatever you two are like the only him. ones you two are the only ones that i'm still like on facebook and and interested in their lives <laughs> yeah back then no that's really cool well i you know uh, here's the whole thing about this podcast and i'll keep it keep it brief and for anybody that's listening um and this isn't live by the way this is memorex um you know my whole my whole focus with the podcast is to interview people that are unique and interesting to me but specifically people that have had some modicum of success right they've 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 stepped into a business realm they've operated successfully in it and then they're looking to do other things that impact society in a greater way <laughs> That's me. Yeah, that's you. Um, <laughs> I love. If nobody's watching this, but uh, he is actually uh, being quite the uh, the man of self mockery right now. Um, no, I'm not. Actually, I'm dead serious. Yeah, exactly. All the more. No, I really, I'm dead serious. <laughs> what I love about you, though, is is you're an amazing guy, and you have a heart of gold. And we met actually because you have a heart of gold. Um, I'll give a little background here before we jump into the whole story of, of Brian Roberts. But um, for those listening to the show, uh, Brian and I actually met uh, back in the coaster buzz days. We're both roller coaster enthusiasts, probably more so both of us back then than we are today, just because life intrudes. Um, but uh, back in 2003, I had joined this uh, roller coaster community. You know those all those crazy people that are on like the Travel Channel talking about how tall a roller coaster in Ohio is. And um, one thing led to another, and I had mentioned to this broad group of people that I wanted to take a trip around the Eastern Shore or somewhere in the Midwest or something. And um, I sort of created this trip 
where in every park I went to around the country, I bumped into a group of people that I had sort of met online. And it was really great because I met a ton of amazing people. And Brian, um, rock star superhero that he is, uh, was actually kind enough. I believe it was you that gave me, was it you that gave me a free ticket or was it um, was another gentleman? It might have been Mike, now that I think about it. I don't it. remember that. But yeah. that being said, you and I met because uh, you were friends with Frank uh, and, yeah. and one thing led to another and, um, I ended up staying at your house. <laughs> I don't even yeah. know how that happened. Years like, later. That was after I moved to Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that first, uh, Stark Raven Matt event that we were at together, um, somehow I connected with Frank and, uh, yeah, we shared like a campsite or something cause I was trying to do it so cheap. <laughs> like yeah. I had to split the cost of a tent site. Yeah. 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 No, it was a lot of fun, and and um, we had a good time we, until uh, we bonded over your wild turkey. Remember yes, that that yes. ten year wild turkey. Yes. Yes. Just never had it. Was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We got some wild turkey from Japan that that you can only get in Japan. Some weird blend, and it's an older older blend. It's like fifteen or eighteen years. It's something really strange. And um, long story short is uh, there was a an event called Stark Raven Mad that was held at this roller coaster excuse me, at this theme park uh, called Holiday World in Indiana. And uh, the late, there was a lady that actually passed away uh, the second night we were there. She died, was ejected from a roller coaster, and it was such a complete tragedy. Nobody knew what to do afterwards, and we all sat around feeling sorry for ourselves. And Brian and I and Frank and a few others sat down and got to know each other. And then a few mm-hmm. days later, I was actually up in Chicago trying to find a place to stay and and Brian out of the goodness of his heart probably felt really really guilty and <laughs> and <laughs> and offered me for me to stay in the guest room and uh, so began a friendship yeah and, you know too. yeah so so um uh for those who don't know you are a your producer at Dreamworks correct now i am yeah now you are and before that, you were uh, you were part of the VeggieTales franchise, correct? Yeah, I worked on VeggieTales for seventeen years, so that's what I was doing back when we first met. Yeah, I had moved moved to Chicago in two thousand um, to work for them. Uh, decided when I was in high school that I wanted to be an animator, and when I was in college that I wanted to work on VeggieTales. Uh, so a few years after I graduated college, they hired me as an illustrator. And then I worked my way into animation and then became a storyboard artist, a director, a producer, and got to do that for 17 years. And it was uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, I used to say there were days it was a dream job and days it was just a job. <laughs> yeah. But I got I got to do a lot of fun things and meet a lot of really neat people, uh, take some cool trips around the world. One trip I literally went around the world. <laughs> that really? was crazy. Tell, tell, so, yeah. so fill us in. What does that mean? <clears throat> uh, so... Uh, you know, we would outsource the production to different studios all around the world. And there was this one particular particular production that was being done in Singapore. And it uh, it kind of got off the rails a little bit and it was behind schedule. And so I told the producer, I was directing the project. I told the producer, like, well, just send me to Singapore. You know, I'll go figure out what's going on. I'll uh, I'll approve shots on site. You know, we'll get it done. It'll just be a lot faster rather than, you know, waiting 12 hours between every download and stuff like that. So uh, so it took a few days. They approved the trip. But in the meantime, the studio decided to 
take the animation to India to render it. When you do 3D animation, you know, you do all the animation, but then at the end you have to render it to get all the lighting and texturing and all that. So they didn't have enough render power in Singapore, and they said, okay, we're going to go to India to render it. And I was like, okay, number one, that won't work because <laughs> you can't do that. And number two, uh, okay, <laughs> I'll go to India. So uh, flew. actually had to get a visa, flew to D.C. on Monday – or late Sunday night, flew to actually Baltimore, drove to D.C. in the middle of the night, got my visa on Monday, flew through Qatar to India, got to the studio in India, and they said, basically, that afternoon, they said, this isn't going to work, we're going back to Singapore tonight. So that night, I flew to Singapore and stayed there for almost two weeks, flew back through, uh, (laughs) even though the show was late, I made a deal with my producer that, uh, he let me fly back on a connecting flight through Tokyo, and I had a 10-hour layover where I got to go to Tokyo Disney Sea, <laughs> which, which was amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, flew back through LA to Nashville. It was uh, it was quite a trip. So I need to understand the dynamics of this whole thing because you're producing the show in in Chicago. This is at the time, right? Or were you in Nashville well, by then? In- in Chicago, we actually still had an in-house animation studio. Okay. Um, but Big Idea Productions, the company that created VeggieTales, went through, you know, over the 17 years, went through basically four corporate owners, two bankruptcies. Oh. And so in the first bankruptcy, well, before the first bankruptcy, they um, started outsourcing all the animation instead of doing it in-house. Um, and then uh, and then they moved us, after the first bankruptcy, they moved us to Nashville from Chicago. Okay. And so at that point, you know, we did all the pre-production and all the, all the design and, and storyboarding and writing and all that stuff. But then we would send it to, uh, for a while it was to Toronto and then it was Singapore and Hawaii and some other places. Okay. Just the cost to produce was less expensive overseas, like making Nike shoes. Uh, yeah, a little bit. It was kind of depends how you fudge the numbers, but in the end it was supposedly cheaper to do it that way. Okay. So. You said at the beginning of your story, and this is really curious to me now, you said, I wanted to go work there, and so I basically just made it happen. That is so yeah. not normal to me. That doesn't make any sense to me. So how did you just get to do this? I mean, how does that work? Is that is that typical in the animation field? Um, I don't think it's so typical to... I mean, unless it's Disney, you know, I don't think most people would go like, I want to go work for that company doing that thing. Right. You know, it's more like you develop the skills as an animator or a character designer or whatever, and then you, you know, kind of get a job, whoever will hire you. Um, But yeah, for me, uh, when I decided I wanted to be an animator, it was back when like Disney was the only game in town. And, you know, there was only a few, a few schools in the country that taught animation and, uh, you know, when you talk to your guidance counselor and said you wanted to be an animator, they were like, oh, so does that mean you want to work for Disney? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. And, but that was never a particularly strong dream for me. Actually, I did want to work for Disney, but as an Imagineer. But I felt like uh, theme park design was was uh, not a stable career. <laughs> <laughs> so so I never chased that. Yeah, and then uh, in, high, in college was studying to be an animator and saw saw was at a bookstore and saw a VeggieTales episode on this big video wall. It was the second episode. It had just come out. It was still really new. Nobody had heard of it. And I was like, you know, I saw Larry the Cucumber hop on screen with his tuba, and I was like, that's what I want to do with my life. 
Um, so a couple years later, made contact with the company, with the owner, uh, and the, you know, the guys who created veggie tales and, um, it, it took a while to actually get hired because of some things they were going through corporately at the time they were preparing for growth, but not actually hiring. Um, cause they knew they wanted to do something else, but they weren't sure what it was yet. And so it took a few years, eventually got, uh, I got hired as an illustrator. I wanted to be an animator. Um, but you know, took the job as an illustrator, hoping to transfer into animation and, and did after a couple of years. So, wow. So there's so much going on here. I totally want to unpack this. So was, what was the initial, what was the impetus that drove you towards it in the beginning though? Was it the message? Was it the way the characters were animated? Was it something about just how things looked? I mean, I don't understand necessarily what made you go, that's, you know, that's inspiring to me. Yeah, I don't know that I could explain that to you any more than just I had a moment standing there of like, that's what I want. Um, you know, and the other thing about VeggieTales is at the time, this was before Toy Story had come out. Um, right. So, you know, 3D animation was very new. Um, there hadn't been much long form 3D animation. Like, I think at the time it was like Crash Test Dummies was like, and I think Reboot may have just started Yeah. on tv you know it was produced out of vancouver a long time ago yeah i think although i just heard they're rebooting reboot which is hilarious um so yeah it was it was really unusual that there was this long form 3d animation and that it had such a great message you know it was it was um a lot of it was christian but it was very i think an inclusive kind of uh morality to it that you know I think a, a large number of people could get behind. It wasn't particularly preachy except for the like Christmas and Easter episodes. Right. Um, so I liked the idea of doing something meaningful, you know, that had a great message, but that also was so funny and so, uh, just so well done. It was so well written. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I, uh, remember seeing it a long time ago, way before, of course I knew you were involved with it, which kind of blew me away because it's one of those funny things where, you know, somebody in the industry and you don't even know, you know, somebody in the industry mm -hmm. because you didn't talk about it at all the day or for that matter, the week that we met that first week, I had no idea what you did. I just knew your screen name on coaster buzz was theme designer. Yeah, that was, uh, I don't know where that came Sorry, from. Sorry. That's an embarrassment. You probably would rather let that's, go. That's very embarrassing. <laughs> um, but, but what's the difference, uh, for the outsider? What's the difference between an illustrator, an illustrator and an animator? I mean, it seems obvious, but maybe I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as an illustrator, my job was to create, you know, still images for, um, like, I would do, I would model and render images for, like, the, the DVD covers or for, you know, licensed calendars that they would sell. Um, I got to do a little bit of animation for, like, web games and things. Like, I remember I would render donuts for this donut hockey game that they made. That's strange. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so I got still got to do some animation, but um, you know, for the animator, you're you're taking the characters and you're bringing them to life. You're giving them, you're making them act and giving them the breath of life uh, for the actual show itself. Right, right. So um, if you want to jump ship straight from this into the DreamWorks thing, I'm not necessarily sure, and I certainly don't want to. I want to make sure that I don't ask questions that shouldn't be asked in regards to you know, leaving one company and joining another. But I'm curious what the process was 
um, going from you know the Veggie Works, uh, excuse me, Veggie Tales to DreamWorks Veggie Works. <laughs> I love that. That should be the new one. Um, but you know, uh, you know, obviously you moved up the chain. You know, in the Veggie Tales world, you ultimately became right. a producer and a director, and 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 uh-huh. doing and doing voices. Correct. You did a lot of voices. Yeah, I got to do a lot of voices. Yeah, I think one a highlight was when I was the voice of. Binky, the opera singing aardvark. Yes. And uh, when that episode got reviewed in the Dallas Morning News, they said that Binky, the opera singing aardvark, has a voice that puts Luciano Pavarotti to shame. (laughs) (laughs) One of of my finest moments. Nice. And they didn't mean shame in the figurative way. (laughs) No, no. They They literally meant it. That's wonderful. I love it. I've never seen that. And I I tried to do a lot of research for this, Brian. But, you know, the problem with your name is um you know i mean i know you already know this but there's there's this like giant producer out there with the same freaking exact name and it's so yeah, hard yeah he, he was a, he was even a story editor on the simpsons and he uses the same k yes so because i you know my stage name is brian k roberts right and he has the same thing yep. and uh yeah for a while there we actually we had separate wikipedia pages like there was a wikipedia page about me and then he had one with a differentiation and then somebody like mushed them together yes. and made an inaccurate page. Yes. And then later somebody else uh, just deleted my page and clarified <laughs> that I was not in. So yes. there was a time where I had a Wikipedia page, but yes. I'm no longer important for that. No, it's funny because last night I was looking through IMDb. And I saw both the pages, right? Uh, his uh, his super superstar version of it, <laughs> and then and then and then the funny thing is, is yeah, I go onto the Wikipedia page and it says, if you're here on this page, and the other Brian K. Roberts, and I just I just started laughing because I knew you'd appreciate that. It was just so silly. I love it. I love it. So, um, well, especially now that I'm in Hollywood, it's you know, like I've had a couple of times where somebody goes like, oh, I I know Brian K. Roberts, and I'm like, no, it's not. I'm not that one. I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the other one that you haven't heard of. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Well, um, so so yeah, what was the process in going up the up the chain with, um, you know, during the during the Veggie Tales years, and how did you ultimately end up stepping over the threshold into Dream World, uh, DreamWorks? Yeah, so I mean, I never actually left. You know, I've never left a company. It's been interesting. My whole career has been eighteen years now, almost nineteen of. Um, you know, just of kind of getting acquired by other companies. Um, so big idea went bankrupt. It got bought by a company called classic media. They sold to a company called entertainment rights. That company had its financial struggles, got bought back by the classic media guys. Then they sold their company to dreamworks. Um, gosh, I don't even remember how long ago was it six years ago now. And then a couple of years ago, dreamworks got acquired by universal. Um, so I was working for dreamworks in Nashville for, for about four years. Right. And I remember, I remember the week that they bought us. Um, I told Catherine, I was like, you know, if like, there's a chance this ends in us moving to LA, hmm. you know, if, if this goes a certain way. And, uh, sure enough, about two years ago now they called me and said, Hey, you want to come help us make a new show based on, uh, you know, one of our biggest franchise movies. And I was like, um, yep, I, think so let me talk to my wife <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'd preset the uh the potential that's great good move yeah so she kind of knew it was a possibility and you know she was so supportive she was really sweet she was like you know as long as we have a safe place to live and the kids and we can find a school where we feel like the kids needs will be met 
Um, so we have three kids, two middle schoolers and a elementary schooler. Yeah. You know, if we can, if we can have those things, then why would we not at least try it? Right. Um, we, we loved Nashville. We had a great house and a great neighborhood. The kids had amazing friends, a lot of great relationships that we left behind. So it was, it was wrenching. She actually was more into it than I was at one point. Like when I was, you know, when we were really trying to figure out whether to take it or not, um, she was more positive on it than I was. Yeah, that that has to be tough. I don't know how much moving you did as a child, but uh, none. Okay, ever. okay, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. That, well, you know, you Look, use the word wrenching. That you know, that's a pretty potent yeah. word. So I lived in the same house until I graduated college. Okay, that so. ha- and that house that I visited you in Chicago all those years ago was that a was that a family home? Was that a, or was that your own no, residence? We, yeah, we owned that for a couple of years when we were in Chicago. We bought it right when we got married. Okay. So so then the process of having to pick up and sort of restart, I mean, you're talking radical culture change, right? I mean, yep, living yep. in the South, I mean, I don't care you talk about Tennessee, it's the South, right? It's the South, um, yeah. Going to clearly a, a, a very, very, uh, well, a very liberal place compared comparably. And I'm wondering what that felt like just, just stepping across that into that world, let alone the, the physical move and then the new business culture and everything is very different yeah. because not one thing, I'm sure not one thing is like it was in Tennessee. No. And what was interesting for me is that I really felt like I was living someone else's life for about six months. Um, like, like, just cause I didn't recognize anything except for, except for my wife and kids, everything was different. Um, you know, even to the point where we had two new cars because our cars in Tennessee were both like 15 years old and we were like, you know, I'm not going to spend that much money to move a car that's worth less than that. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, you know, and after doing the, my job changed a lot at veggie tales over the years, which is why I never got bored. Um, cause literally every, you know, every year I was doing and learning something new with new people and, um, having new opportunities for growth. Um, you know, cause I think a lot of times you hear about somebody like who stayed in the same job for 17 years and you think, well, they must not be very ambitious or, right. you know, and it was, it was not that at all. It was that every year I had some amazing new opportunity and challenge that I got to learn from and grow from. Um, you know, some of it was hard and some of it was amazing, but it was a, a constant growth for that whole time. And so, you know, if it had been boring, I actually knew someone who was there for about 15 years and he started as, you know, a junior, like this title of job. And when he left, he was a senior of this title of job. Like for 15 years, his job was basically exactly the same. Yeah. Um, I couldn't have done that. Um, but for me every year it was something new and something different. So, you know, but after doing the same thing with a lot of the same people for for that long, to suddenly be in a new office, you know, a new job, a new property, um, a new car, a new house, new friends, new church, you know, new everything was just, uh, it was overwhelming for a while. Yeah, I imagine it has to be pretty tough. I mean, being a creative person and being a successful creative person, I mean, there's a lot of identity in that. And then, yeah. and, and used to being where you're at, like you said, it doesn't matter if you've been there for a really long time. The fact is, is you were constantly evolving, changing, and and you were moving up the chain, right? I mean, you you started as yeah. an illustrator, and by the end, you're a producer. 
um, co-executive uh, producer. Yeah, with my yeah. Last title. And so, so there. I mean, even the term yeah, executive on a, on a right? Netflix original series. Yeah, you know, which was pretty pretty hoity-toity yeah. to be able to say that <laughs> yeah you beat me to the punch I, I i it's on my notes here you're supposed i'm supposed to say it but uh yeah no that's so true and i and 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 that's fabulous and what i love about you 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 is you've kept your you've kept yourself grounded through this whole thing so many people wouldn't do that brian and then well my, my wife keeps me grounded <laughs> okay do you find she, that you she, do you get do you get lost in your yeah do you do oh you, I, I do a little bit I, I love to you know I, I love to think highly of myself <laughs> she was really she's my wife's amazing she's she's one of the funniest people I've ever met um just a little funny sidebar uh, I had a friend at work who I worked with for you know 12 or 13 years and and he uh he was single for a lot of that and one day he was frustrated with his girlfriend and hung up the phone with her in like anger. And he, he goes, you know, Brian, you know what the problem with women is? And it's like, Oh, this is going to be good. Tell me, tell me what the problem with women is. Cause I'm anxious to hear this. He was like, the problem with women is they're just not funny. He says, you know, tell me honestly, honestly, does Catherine ever really make you laugh? And I was wow. like, like my jaw hit the floor and I was like every day, yeah, yeah. <laughs> every single day. So she definitely keeps my ego in check. When when we were in the process of moving here, I said something about how, you know, I was going to be a Hollywood producer now. And she was like, no, no. She says, you're a Glendale producer. You're not a Hollywood <laughs> producer. Your office is not in Hollywood. It's in Glendale. <laughs> oh, man. And you are still in Glendale now, correct? Right. The company is in Glendale. That's so, so great. So do you do you live north of the city? Or are you in the city or where are you at? We're in Burbank. Okay. You know, so we're on that kind of eastern edge of the San Fernando Valley. Uh, you can actually see the the back side of the Hollywood sign hill from our from our front yard. Okay. So uh, if you could look through the mountain, you would see the Hollywood sign on the other side. Okay, and on occasion, you actually you accidentally run into Jay Leno as he's out uh, test driving new cars. Yeah, actually, I've heard. I know how to meet Jay Leno if I wanted to. There's a a car bookstore right up the street from us. Uh, called like auto books or something like that. And apparently Jay goes there every Saturday yeah. to, to read the newest car books. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've heard that if you stake yourself out there on any given Saturday afternoon, you have a very high chance of meeting him. Not that that's necessarily your, your ambition. <laughs> no, but, you know, bumped into well, it's cool. To, it's cool to meet cool people. I'm not a car guy. You know, it's interesting. I've met a lot more um, kind of new media stars and like YouTubers and things since I moved here than I have like real, you know, what you would consider a Hollywood celebrity. Right, right. That's interesting. Well, why do you think that is? I don't know. I just think YouTubers are taking over the world as part of it. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, so coming to DreamWorks, now, I, I, if you don't mind, I don't know what you, you know, if I have to sign an NDA for that matter, granted, I probably, you'd just tell me to edit this part out, but... You know, coming to DreamWorks, uh, what was the initial? You know, what was the what was the thing you started with, and and what are you doing currently? Because I'm not sure about the whole trip. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm. They offered me a specific uh, a co-executive producer job on a specific project that was in kind of you know halfway through development at the point they hired me, um, and uh, and that's still what I'm doing now. Right. So it's been it's been almost two years of that. And it's going to be, you know, I don't know how much longer, but, uh, and right now we're like, yeah, I'm not, it's, it's unannounced. Yes. 
say. Yeah, so I once understand. it's announced, I'll come back and we can talk about it. No, it's great. I I, I will say this. Um, I am a huge fan of Netflix. I'm a huge fan of DreamWorks. I uh, there's so many. There's so much great content out there. It's actually frustrating because. I'm, I know. <laughs> I'm a massive movie guy. I'm a massive TV guy. I don't actually have television, but when I say TV nowadays, it might as well just be right televised, ep- yeah. episodic television on Netflix and Hulu yeah. and Amazon. There's so much great stuff. I mean, I, I have I don't have enough bandwidth. You know, I, I would never have any success as a business person if I watch mm-hmm. as much TV as I'd like to watch. No, I just don't even try anymore. Like every once in a while, there'll be like a. You know, if if there's something people like people who I trust are raving about, like recently we watched The Crown, ah. and we just were obsessed. Like uh, that show is literally one of the best things I've ever watched. It's funny to me when people say like, you know, oh, TV is just terrible these days. There's no good TV. I'm like, are you kidding? It's, it's like crazy. They're they're making the best television anyone has ever made. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I love it. I love what 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 studios and creators are able to do now with television. Um, and I love the, the creative freedom that Netflix offers, um, you know, certainly for, for veggie Tales in the house, uh, that I worked on for three years. Um, you know, there was a lot of freedom that, you know, it's a lot different than making a show for, uh, for a network. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. I have no idea what it feels like, but I will tell you, that it seems to be super high quality product and, and having Netflix and my kids are the right age to watch Veggie Tales as an example. I have a seven year old daughter and five year old boys and they love that stuff. And and it's and it's not like it's under animated. I don't know how to explain it, but it's like, you know, when you see a Disney made for, you know, it's a theatrical release and then you see yeah. the knockoff versions of it for television. It's like it's not animated well or, or, or and clearly they're not using the same character voice actors in most cases, not in all cases. Um, it's always kind of a shock to see just a high integrity product from right from front to back. And that seems to be what VeggieTales did all the way through the spectrum. It never, it never lost quality. Yeah, we certainly tried. Yeah. No, it's amazing. So you can't talk about that. Well, let me, let me ask you this. You, you said you, um, you said you watched the crown recently. I love to talk about this kind of stuff. <laughs> I recently, I, I got caught up on, um, uh, Mr. Robot. And I don't know if you've seen that show or are familiar with it, but I highly recommend it. If you have not, it's very, very smart. I have not. Um, and secondly, um, although it's incredibly violent, um, Netflix, The Punisher is really, really something. It's a really... Oh, yeah, the John Bernthal show? Yeah, it's really well done. I mean, it starts out a little, well, honestly, just just average, if you will, and but it ramps up the speed, I mean, big time. And, huh. and my wife, who is... Uh, Who's not into any sort of uh, violent or you know you know foul language anything like that? She's very much you know wants nice, safe uh, environment to watch her her TV or movies, and um, she was just reveling in the intensity. So um, I recommend, really yeah, I recommend it to you highly. It's it's really an extraordinary program. It's written incredibly well, acted very well, um, and then you know as is typical with a show based around um, revenge. Um, when the poop hits the fan, it hits it hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? So what is it? Like, was there something thematic about it that you responded to? I think it was the fact that every character in the show 
is deeply conflicted, deeply conflicted, not just um, the idea of, say, you know how the Batman remakes, uh, well, not remakes, whatever you call it, the reimagining from the Dark Knight series and whatnot. It, it's the idea that every character has to be sort of reimagined as a dark and brooding character. There's, it's all, yeah. it's all the ideas of right of, of that, and um, this this repeats that, but for some reason you really you really care about the character and and it's not that you want him to to beat the bad guy you do by the end certainly because so much happens um, right. but but you you care about these characters because again they're so well written and even and even better so acted they're i mean Bernthal this is his dream role it's it's very much yeah. it's very much like um Oh, what's his name that was in Breaking Bad? I uh, all of a sudden lost his name. Brian uh, Cranston. Cranston. You know, it's just it's just the role that he became. He owned yeah. the character, and Burnthal it's funny that it's Burnthal because in in Walking Dead, I could not wait for Rick to kill him. Correct. Like, I wanted that guy dead so bad. Yeah, lo- loathsome <laughs> characters. Uh, Shane was not uh, not anybody oh. you cared for. Um, no, he he he, no. he finds a heart in all in all that darkness, and just when you think. Um, he's going to betray the people in his world. He doesn't, and again, there's not giving anything away. I mean, there's a lot going on in the in the story, but I highly recommend the Punisher. Yeah. But but it is incredibly violent, and it is in no way for children. And um, the last two episodes are mind blowingly atrociously violent. I mean, I mean, really, really it's, intense. It's still so strange to me that Disney is involved with content like that. Yeah. Like that's still such a disconnect for me. Well, you know that at some level Disney's involved with Deadpool. I mean, I know it's a Fox thing and yeah. it's a separate deal, but you know it's all connected. It's yeah, well, like, you know they're trying to be smart. I mean, when you when you go back all the way back to um, the Touchstone days, right? You're dealing with Touchstone yeah. films and then and, and, and Miramax and Miramax and Dimension. All these these yeah. these studios, which were actually owned by the big guys, to to sort of put out their heavier more complex adult content look i mean it's a business i mean yeah it is what it is and there's a market for it surely right yeah apparently Um, well so is there anything you can tell us that you're doing right now before we go to my 18 questions with brian k roberts (laughs) Um, yeah i mean i'll come back sometime in the future and we'll we'll talk about uh the project i'm on now it's just it's been a lot of fun it's been really different for me um, you know, on Veggie Tales, and uh, you know, the characters were set. The world was set, kind of before I got there. I think I, I think the company was like five years old, maybe when I started. Mm-hmm. And so, doing something where we're we're based on a movie, but really we're kind of creating our whole new world. Um, it's been fun getting to play in such a big sandbox where there's you're really creating stuff from scratch. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I have a, I have a faith based question on, on veggie tales, if I may, man, grand, you can tell me you don't want to answer it or I can edit it. Um, do you find that it, um, it, it created issues for you as, as a, as a person of faith, or do you find that, do you find it was easier to create it? 
I, you know, I'm trying to step around this, but I mean, a lot of people don't realize, I mean, unless you really watch the show that, you know, that there's obviously sort of a biblically focused background of the characters, you know, I mean, they're giving Bible, they're giving scriptures, etc. And I'm curious, you know, if it's easy to, I guess, operate in that world when you're not necessarily a pastor or a youth, you know, a youth mm-hmm. pastor or something like that, where you're like, eh, I don't know if I agree with everything in this. I'm curious if you could talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it kind of depended on the structure of the individual project because there were projects where I was very much a part of deciding, you know, the or helping work through the exact kind of theology that we were portraying in the episode. Um, There were other times where I had no control over that and had to, you know, kind of direct or produce other people's ideas that I may have had a harder time with agreeing, you know, but sometimes like your job is to just do the script. There's one time in particular that really stood out where we, the, the creative mandate was to make an an episode about, um, about, we kind of called it, where's God when I'm hurting? Mm. Um, you know, something that spoke into pain and loss and, um, and the first script that, we started production on for that, I really disagreed with. It had some kind of theological uh, premises that I had a really hard time with. It it made promises that I didn't think were true, um, you know, or kind of biblically supportive, supported. Um, I have another sidebar, like, I just, I really, it really bugs me as a person of faith when people take something out of context of some promise to the Israelites, right. you know, th- from thousands of years ago and they apply it to their current life. And it's like, no, that promise is not for you. Exactly. That's not what you are not what this is about. And you cannot claim that as a truth in your life. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't mean that Timmy's going to make it out of brain surgery without, you know, without a problem. Yeah. Right. And, and it's like, no, I have faith. And, and this verse tells me that I'm going to be, that Timmy's going to be fine. And, and that I have a hard time with that. And I understand the, the kind of honest place that that comes from in someone's heart. You know, it, it can be a very kind of pure faith, but um, I don't want to encourage those kinds of ideas for people. And I, and I didn't want to through my work in VeggieTales. So, you know, I always, as much as I had control, would try to be careful about what we said were God's promises to us versus you know, the kind of historical, theological, uh, you know, context of those promises. Yeah. And anyway, so this particular episode was was saying things that I strongly and um, and I made people aware of it and they said, sorry, that's what we're doing. And at some point, you know, we got kind of partway through production and and people's eyes were finally open to, oh, wow, we can't, <laughs> we can't, we can't do this. Like, <laughs> and I was like, Thank you. And, uh, and so we, we rewrote the whole episode, you know, we'd already designed it, rewrote everything and, um, and came to something that I felt was much truer and much more honest. Um, and it kind of, it all kind of came home for me when later that year we had a make a wish kid whose wish was to come, you know, meet Larry the Cucumber the voice wow. of Larry the Cucumber, wow. and um, get a tour of our studio and 
do a voice for a VeggieTales episode. And so uh, her name was Christina, and she was amazing. And um, she came, and we got to meet her, and she got a tour, and we sat her down to show her, you know, our next unreleased episode, which was that episode about, you know, about hurt and loss and grief. And as I sat there watching her watch it and enjoy it and, you know, in her own way to being touched by it and, and her whole family, I was like, you know, if I were sitting here and we were watching that original story, I would be so ashamed of myself mm. because it had nothing to say to somebody in her situation or to a family in their situation. Um, and I felt like, you know, the thing that we ended up doing really did have something to say to them um, that was meaningful to them. So, you know, I, I've kind of learned to to trust my gut on things like that and to, to really fight for when things are untrue and, and not doing things that are untrue. Well, thank you for for sharing that, Brian. I excuse me again. I, I, I know that I don't know, it's a difficult it's always a difficult thing to talk about because um I, I like to joke that if you put a hundred hundred believers into a room, um and and they'll all tell you why abortion is right or wrong. In other words, mm-hmm. you can't even get believers to agree on anything. I mean, you can't get anybody. Yeah. That's the point. You can't get anybody to agree on anything. And so it really it really comes down to your gut and the fact that you, you kind of held firm. I mean, obviously, you know, there was a there was a battle, but you went through that. And I love I can tell, I mean, you know, listeners aren't seeing your face, but when you were telling that story, you were instantly transported to the seeing that little girl's face. And oh. I could tell because I could see it in your eyes that it still hurts. And you know, that is, this is why I love you. This is actually why I wanted you on my show. I mean, clearly I'm not the greatest podcaster in the world, but I think everybody in the world is extraordinary. Um, now I'm fortunate enough that I have a, a fair amount of quote unquote, well-known extraordinary people in my life as well. And you may not be sort of, you know, this Hollywood legend or anything, but you're, you know, you're in a unique space. I'm I'm a Glendale legend. You're a Glendale legend. Yeah. You've made your way, you've made your way up that ladder. You've done something very few people achieve. I'm actually literally on the top floor of the tallest building in Glendale. So I am, my office is, I am as high as you can go in the city of Glendale. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's awesome. So you're running my you're running my mojo. No, uh, no, no. no you're, you're complimenting me. Yeah, no, but it's you. It is special, and and it goes back to this idea, this concept, the conceit of what I originally started this podcast was that I believe everybody's awesome at something, truly awesome mm-hmm. at something, and very few people actually do the thing they're they're made for because you know, this is America as an example, right? And and in our culture, we're told that you've got to go make money. You've got to go have influence. You've got to have the hot wife. You've got to have the cool car. You got to have the awesome house. Uh, you got to have a couple million dollars in the bank by the time you're quote unquote retirement age. You have to have all these things and success in a lot of them for anybody to even remotely consider you a success, right? With quotes around it. And that is obviously clearly a lie. It's, it's a culture of lies. Um, yeah. and this is not go a, re- go ahead. 
Good. No, it's fine. Finish up. This is not a. It's not, and this is not, a, of course, a religious conversation. This is just simply stating the fact that I think that most people, you know, they wonder why their lives got away 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 from them. That they didn't achieve what they were designed to do. They don't go with that gut instinct. And this goes back to the very first thing that you said about VeggieTales. You knew there was a moment. There was a moment of clarity where you said, this is for me. I'm compelled to do it. I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to let them know I want to be a part of this. I'm going to study and get the skill set in place so I can participate in this world. And then your ambition and your passion, all those things that we say, we should be, as an American business leader, if you will, um, drove you to the the upper echelons of that business. And that's why you're sitting at Dream, DreamWorks today. I mean, it's just the truth. You you okay. stuck to your gut. And, um, and at the same time, you fought battles you knew you could win and or at least compromise with that was an appropriate compromise. But you never sold yourself out. And I know you didn't. I know you didn't sell yourself out. You might have failed at times, but you didn't just cave into culture. And I and I think that's what makes you extraordinary. And that's why I wanted to talk to you today. And that's also what I wanted to know on the backside of what, you know, if you see a vision, perfect place for you to go the next place of your life, let's say um, DreamWorks, you know, you hit, you hit that apogee, right? You hit the top. Where do you go from there? You know, is it now all about passion and purpose and, you know, creating a legacy? You know, what does it mean? So I know there's a lot to unpack in there and you had a thought so go ahead I did. and run I, with I it I just I bristle even at the idea that that we're made for something particular and that there's a way that you can that you can fail to do what you were made for um I struggle with that a lot and I I feel like there's a certain amount of like you know upper middle class prosperity gospel wrapped up into this idea that you know, that there's something that you're supposed to do and, and you'll know that you're successful in it when you make a stable career out of it. Right. And it's like, that's how we define, that's how we define our success. And, and I like, there's so many, you know, amazing like singer songwriters out there who are like, Oh, when I can just, you know, quit my day job or when I can just do this full time. And, and, you know, honestly, I feel like, I feel like in the grand scope of history, artists being able to make like a comfortable middle-class living doing their music or their art or their whatever, I think it's in the grand sweep of history, it's going to be a blip, you know, a, yeah. a late 20th, early 20th century blip that the artists define their success by their ability to make a, a comfortable middle-class or better living at it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess my challenge is like if, it's not that you're made for something, but that if you have passions, don't define your success or failure at them by whether or not you get to do them full time, you know, like work on them and, and chase them and follow them like with every spare moment you have. Um, but don't, don't feel like, wow, because I don't don't, because I don't get to do this full time. I'm not a success or it's not important or it's not valuable. Um, you know, I, I think yeah. Yeah. Anyway. No, I think There's- that's, I think that's great. I, I love what you shared. Um, and, um, I don't necessarily disagree. I, I think, uh, 
I am not a fan of any sort of prosperity teaching because I think that's a bunch of bull crap. And that what I mean by that is, is um, there's a whole bunch of people out there, as an example, who are highly, highly prosperous in the sense of their joy. Uh, and people can roll their eyes when they hear this. But here's the truth. Um, there are people out there that are dry cleaners who are the best dry cleaners in the world and they love being dry cleaners. And I, yeah. I have, I have another podcast, um, a gentleman here in Seattle has a, he's a, a local radio guy, 30 years and he's, you know, it's a legend right in the area. And he and I were talking about this the other day and he was like, well, yeah, except the fact that there isn't a super happy dry cleaner out there <laughs> kind of a kind of a mocking joke and and i said well actually that's not i don't believe that no that's it's, it's that. not true there's a there's a guy he actually just recently passed away but there was a there was a dry cleaner out here in north bend washington where they filmed twin peaks and um this guy was amazing and you'd go in there and he'd just hello rob how are you and he'd know he had your phone number memorized which just freaked me out because there was that's a little strange right there was hundreds i mean he you could stand there and watch him and he had everybody's n- number memorized it was mind blowing <clears throat> and he loved his gig he just loved it and he worked you know the traditional dry cleaner hours you know it's like 6am to 10pm 6 7 days a week and and he died there he actually had a heart attack in the store he died doing it. But I'm telling you, he loved it. And when I went in the store after he passed, I didn't know he passed. I went in to drop some stuff off and I'm like, where's, you know, where's Fred, you know? And and his his wife kind of comes up and she's got this tear, you know, this one single tear. And oh. and and like his uh, nephew comes up and he says, you know, he, he passed away, you know, like two days ago from a heart attack. And and his wife said, but he loved this job and he really liked you, Rob. You know what I mean? And and yeah. and so there is something for everybody and and um I really do yeah. hope that people don't get caught up. Now, granted, what I really mean to say, and so you 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 helped told, took me to task on this and this is good, it's not so much that um you're only good at one thing or it's there's one thing made for you, but there is something out there for you to get. To go get, and uh, I really do believe that that there is that there is a place for you. It doesn't mean it's it's uh, yeah. a, a place of fame or success or financial, you know, high net worth. It's it's, but but I do believe. I mean, as, as my belief in a, a, a you know in a, a creator and and I I I I I have to me at least I have to say that I feel that there is perfection in all the imperfections meaning that there is uh there is a perfection at the end it it's not happening right now but it's like it all comes together right and I'll never understand it and I don't want to try um but 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 that whole hindsight being 2020 there's not a moment that I can look back in my life especially moments where I failed that I haven't seen something amazing come out of it and I mean I I know we all know this I'm not teaching anybody anything new but I just want to remind people and and even say to you that that um, there is something extraordinary waiting for us and even if we have extraordinary lives we're just getting started man I mean yeah. I mean you're in a place of a lot of people wish they were, even though they 
don't wish they were, right? I mean, you know better only because you do what you do and, and it's not true, right? There's a whole bunch of people who want to get, you know, famous in the music business and having come from the music business, I can tell you, you probably don't really want what you think you want. Yeah. But all that being said, you do have um, a position of authority, um, a, a position of notoriety, um, an economic boost, right? There's all these little things that come with that. And yet there's so much in front of you because you have chosen to do the work to position yourself in such a way that should you retire today, for example, the next step would be the next step in Brian Roberts' evolution. And, and I don't mean that in, you know what I mean, but literally in the what yeah. do we do next? How do we impact the world? Because if we only get one shot and I got limited bandwidth, I'm only going to hang out with great people. I'm only going to do everything I can. And granted, I fail. But the only thing I can to do is be as positive and influential as I can for others. Um, mm -hmm. Push them because I love them, right? Lead them. Create victory. Yeah. Um, create passion. And just push, 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 push. Because am I going to be John Lennon when I die? No. Are you? Probably not. But But who knows? I mean... You know, I mean, I guarantee you Moses <laughs> didn't think he was going to be Moses when he died either. It's just, it's the way things are. We we have impact. We don't even know the kind of impact we're going to create, but yeah. but I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I was reflecting actually recently on, you know, people who achieve great things. I, I got the chance to to meet someone and, and get to know a little bit somebody who has just accomplished some really amazing things in his life and you know it just occurred to me he's just a dude you know he's just a dude who had an idea of something to do and and did it and now has you know changed lives and impacted lots of people and um you know in the end it's it's all just dudes and dudettes like <laughs> <That's> so true <laughs> they're all all the people who change the world are just like you and they at some point they had an idea or an opportunity and they just did it, you know, and, and in many cases, it's the only reason they were able to seize the opportunity is because they had prepared for it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, have you ever seen this video? There was a video from, I don't know, probably four or five years ago of, uh, Kristen Chenoweth. Uh, you know who she is? Yeah. The, the Broadway star. She was doing a show at the Hollywood bowl and she, she plucks a random woman out of the audience to sing a song from wicked with her, a duet. And apparently it was something she did at her show, you know, at that time. And the woman that she picked out of the audience, uh, I think her name was Kristen Horn, um, went up and, you know, this is all on video and it went like super mega viral because she was amazing. Like wow. she knew the whole song, she knew the harmonies, like she knew the emotion, like that woman, it was like they'd rehearsed it. And, and, you know, I know someone who knows Kristen and have heard the backstory. Like it was all legit. Awesome. Kristen plucked her, Kristen plucked her out of the audience, you know? And so, and now is it Kristen Horn, Sarah Horn? I don't know. Something Horn is the, the singer. Okay. And now she has this huge career, you know, very largely driven off of the success of that viral video. And it's like, you know, the reason she has that is because she was ready for that moment of lightning, you know, right. because she was a, she's a voice coach. She has a degree in performance and musical performance from, I think, Belmont in Nashville. Um, like, you know, 
the the moment worked for her because she was ready for it and yeah. because she'd she'd worked to be ready for that kind of moment. So yeah. in the end, I think most people who achieve great things just have that moment that they're ready for because they've prepared and just go for it. It's not that they're such an amazing particular person. So yeah. true. No, that's true. That's that's probably the best thing we get out of this particular podcast tonight is that's that is a guaranteed truth. You need to be prepared for the moment because that moment will come. And and that will that will happen very rarely, meaning you need to be ready when it does. Yeah. And for me, that my career is 18 years of the of that moment. Of, That's awesome. Uh, the um, I think the, the real secret to my career has has been um, to be particularly early on when I didn't have any rank or status at all. You know, it was to do everything that was asked of me well and with a good attitude. Nice. That was nice. really the, the kind of cornerstone of my philosophy. Um, as an employee and you know eventually it it gets you noticed and uh yeah that's what worked for me anyway that's awesome well i uh, do you have a few more minutes for me i want to i have an 18 question questionnaire i throw at people Sure. <laughs> so this is just fun getting to know Brian K. Roberts. Okay. Um, so I'm going to ask the other Brian K. Roberts. Exactly. The other guy. This is, yeah. Answer as though you're the other, <laughs> the other guy. I don't know. Him. Uh, okay. So most of these are simple questions. Some of them are snarky. Um, but, so the first question your favorite movie of all time? You know, it's, it's so cheesy, but it's, it's got to be, can it be three movies? I mean, The Lord sure. of the Rings trilogy, Lord of the Rings trilogy, the extended edition. I mean, that's just, I don't know, that's nine hours of cinematic bliss for me. Yeah. I, I love those movies so much. That's a great answer. Um, if you could move anywhere and still do your job, where would you go? Oh, wow. I don't, I don't think I have an answer for that. I mean, I think if I could do that, I might be a little itinerant. You know, I, I think I'd spend some part of the year in L.A., part of the year in Nashville, part of the year in Virginia, part of the year somewhere with skiing, okay. <laughs> part of the year on the beach. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't have like a dream location. We, we've liked everywhere we've lived. Okay. We're enjoying L.A. for all of its faults. I guess I should ask you, do you do you miss Nashville or do you miss Chicago? Uh, yeah, I mean, we would live anywhere we've lived. Like okay. we would go back to Chicago, we'd go back to Nashville. Uh, we're enjoying LA. So, you know, I, I think a lot of it is like, if you're not happy in one place, you're not likely to be happy in another place. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, we're, we're happy wherever we are. That's a good answer. Um, what haven't you done in your career yet? What haven't I done? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've done a lot. I, uh, what haven't I done? I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. I've done a lot of what I wanted to do. I've certainly done everything I set out for. Okay. And then some. And you haven't acted on film, correct? You've only, you've done voice acting, but not not actually on film, as in Brian, no, the, the Brian Roberts. <laughs> I haven't. I've I've directed a little bit of live action stuff, um, but never. I mean, there's one shot in one thing where I'm on screen. I cut myself in, but <laughs> I don't. I'm I'm really not interested in being in front of a camera. Cool. I don't, I've got a face for radio, as they say. <laughs> Amen, brother. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, how weird do you think you are? Oh, I'm really weird. I'm at least up to an eight. Okay. Is it the roller coaster thing or is it something else? Oh, no, it's so much more. Uh, yeah, my brain is not normal. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm neurodivergent, as they say. Oh, my goodness. That's fancy. Um, yeah. What's your favorite part about Christmas? Christmas. Oh, I love the tree. Man, I just love that tree. I, uh, it was a source of marital strife early on because I'd always wanted to grow up and have live trees because we always had fake trees when I was a kid. And then, uh, you know, my wife just has no interest in live trees. And then some friends of ours bought a live tree once and ended up having to have their whole house fogged because of a flea infestation. Oh, no. And and my wife was like, never. We are never having a live tree. So I have to live with a, a really nice fake tree. What's the strangest thing you've eaten? Uh, probably durian when I was in Singapore. Mm. I just, I don't get it. You know, so they say that's the fruit. They say smells like heaven, tastes like no, smell tastes like heaven, smells like hell. Right, right. And I just don't know why you would put yourself through that. Sure, I certainly would never do it again. <laughs> okay, uh, what body part do you like more, your arms or your legs? Well, my legs. I have fantastic thighs. <laughs> They're glorious, <laughs> glistening in the sun. Oh, they are strong and toned. Okay, so tell me something that you know is 100% incorrect, yet everyone else thinks is right. Wow. This is a hard question. That's the point. 100%. I'll just, I'll edit out all the silence, so take your time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um... Can I Google something? If you, if you really want to, that you wow. know is a hundred percent incorrect, but everyone else thinks is right. Like, um, well, heck, I don't even have <laughs> I don't even have an answer. This uh, is a terrible question. Uh, right? Like, um, you know, in the coaster world, you know, for example, uh, uh, Steel Dragon two thousand is three hundred and eighteen feet, but you know, you could argue that with some nerd who's like, no, it's three hundred and nineteen feet, and you just can't wait to get out your your iPhone and like set him straight while he's standing uh, in line for two hours. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it does change things now that we have all information at our fingertips. Yep. Uh, I, I always have to fight that urge to, to whip out the iPhone to prove someone wrong. Yeah. That's like I tell my wife, I don't have to be right, I just am. Maybe that's the right answer then for this. Maybe the right answer is is I don't have to prove somebody is incorrect. Yeah, sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> Okay, give give me a one word description of yourself. Uh, unique. If you could go back to one year in your life and relive it, the whole year, what year would you pick and why? Like relive it the exact same way. Yes. Like everything would have to be the same. Yes. Like I'm just watching a movie of it. You're in you, but yeah, you get to watch yeah. it from you knowing but what you experience but you but get I can't a, change anything. Correct. You get to re-experience the pleasure and the pain. I don't know. I'm really enjoying this year. This year is really good. Okay. <laughs> nice. Very safe answer. That's good. Well, uh, That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Do you have a favorite sports franchise? I really don't understand sports. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like if I if you really press me, I'm a Cubs fan from my years in Chicago, and you know I still I'm basically a Cubs fan whenever they make it to the to the 
playoffs. <laughs> so you really liked a couple years ago when they won everything. That was so much fun. I got to watch them win in a uh, Chicago sports bar down the street from here um, with a bunch of other you know, ex-Chicagoans, and uh, it was so much fun. Nice. That was an electric room. You remember – did you did you watch that game? I didn't. I, I I don't have television, so I I I just know it happened because of Facebook. I, I don't either, which is why I had to go to the sports bar. Ah. But you know, so you're in this room with hundreds of Chicago fans in L.A. or maybe I don't know, two hundred. It wasn't that big of a bar, but uh, they they that was the game where like they were tied at the end, so they went into overtime. But then there was a rain delay, and the Cubs had been ahead, and then they like had a massive, you know like falling towards the end. And like, I mean, there were grown men weeping in that bar because they're like, here we go. The Cubs are doing it to us again. Right. So I've never seen such joy in a room as, as when they turned that game around and won it. It's awesome. Would you rather drive the highways of Los Angeles or live full time in the woods in Kentucky? Can you say that again? Would you rather drive the highways of Los Angeles or live full time in the woods? In the hills of Kentucky. You know, for where I'm at in my life right now, I'll definitely take Los Angeles. Good answer. I think there'll be a time in retirement where Kentucky will look fine, but sure. Uh, for now, I'll take Los Angeles. Cool. What is your superpower? Being right. <laughs> Not whipping out your iPhone every five seconds. <laughs> uh, is is there such thing as an animation mishap? What do you mean by that? Well, I was thinking about this when I was writing these questions out and I was thinking about, you know, when you were animating or, you know, working on VeggieTales or for that matter what you're doing now. And was there ever a moment where somebody animated something in that you knew didn't belong? Similar to the Roger Rabbit, Jessica Rabbit underwear <laughs> thing or, you know, you know, where there was something that's not supposed just, to be there. Let's just say that I had to be really give very specific direction whenever Larry the Cucumber was holding I got something it. small and cylinder shaped. I got it. There were lots of awkward conversations around yeah, that. Like, that. Could you move that over here, please? <laughs> that is awesome. Um, what are three things you cannot live without? Uh, gosh, three things. Air, water, and food. Great. That's the obvious yeah. answer. Come on. Um, do you, which do you prefer, country or gospel music? Uh, I mean, if you made me choose, I'd probably go with gospel. Okay. Even living in Nashville, I never never particularly got into country music, although it was fun to go downtown and go to the honky-tonks, but uh, it's not something I listen to voluntarily. Nice. Um, so you told me you were unique. You used the one word to describe yourself, unique. What is your worst attribute? Uh, definitely procrastination. I'm one of those people who thrives on the last minute, uh, you know, the last minute pressure of, of having to get something done. And it's definitely something I've had to learn how to manage professionally, particularly after getting out here in LA. Um, it doesn't work. <laughs> you can't work that way. Yeah. Uh, and you, you know, it causes lots of stress for other people. And, you know, to me, one of your jobs when you're in a corporate environment is to make other people's jobs easier. And if you're always doing everything at the last minute, you're making other people's jobs harder and causing them stress. And it's not fair. Mm. 
So that ends the lesson there for the questions. The only only last thing I guess I want to ask you before I let you go tonight is, is, is there anything that I didn't ask you about tonight that you would love to share with people or any words of advice just from your experience in the industry? Wow, words of advice. I'm, I'm very wise, so I should have something to say. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think the, to me the biggest thing is what I said earlier about uh, you know, doing anything you're asked well and with a good attitude. I think that's that's the key to success in so many things, but particularly in corporate America. Um, you know, having kind of a a <laughs> I used the word at, at DreamWorks once a, a servant's heart, and they made such fun of me for for saying that because it just sounded so evangelical right. to them. It does, but I mean, truly to to try to approach every situation with with kind of a spirit of of service to, you know, the people that you're working with, um, finding ways to help them be successful, uh, and to support them, um, you know, to, to build other people up, to promote your team members to upper management, you know, cause when you get to, when you get to a level, you know, a, a position like I'm in now, you know, there are times when I get to speak directly to like the bosses and say, Hey, by the way, you know, this person who does this thing is incredible. And like, you need to, you know, you need to be aware of how great they are and, and, you know, what an asset they are to the company. Um, and in LA, that's not really common. (laughs) And, uh, and it, it really, it strikes people when you're, when you're that way of, of building other people up and, and using your platform to support others. It makes a big impact. Um, both in how people perceive you, but, you know, and, in, but also in those other people's lives. Yeah. No, I, I think that's perfect, Brian. It's a great way to end it. You know, you um, are very clearly a man that believes in agape love, the idea of just loving unconditionally and, mm-hmm. and you're an edifier. And those are two things that are rare. And I'm um, just, I'm really proud that you're in my life and I'm just so grateful that you gave me time tonight and I can't wait for people to hear this. I think they're going to really enjoy just getting behind the scenes a little bit about what it's like to be you and what it's like to be in your industry. But I just love what you shared tonight and there's a lot of joy in you and, and I miss, I miss hanging out with you and I hope I don't have to wait 15 yeah. years to see you again. Yeah. Come down to magic mountain sometimes. I will. I promise you, buddy. It's only 30 minutes away. <laughs> Good deal. I've got it, man. I haven't been there since 2005. I mean, that's a long time. It's a long time. No Tatsu, yeah. none of that stuff for me ever. Never. Oh, tatsu. Ne- mm. never Full hit- throttle. Yeah, I've never Ooh, hit any of that, that stuff. I won't, so You need to come. Okay, I promise. I'll come down. I'll make it happen. All right. All right, buddy. Be good. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.